I am stupid again. Back, bitches. Back from Sundance. Oh, easy. Stronger than ever. Yeah, you're, you're going off the handle already. Well, I am drinking two glasses of wine, as is mm. my custom. Mm. Uh, I'm living my best life. <laughs> this is the best you. Yeah, exactly. 2017, the year of you. <laughs> and that's what it'll be. Uh, assuming that you are a white male. Which oh, I am. Oh, jeez. So... Finally, coming up, <laughs> white man. Yeah, finally, our time in, to move into the apartment that we already owned. And it's a house. <laughs> and it's on several acres of land. Yeah, that were once owned by the Native Americans. Anyway, uh, speaking of Native Americans and land, Sundance... We're Americans. Oh. Um, just ended... It was 10 crazy days of which we interacted with it together for four days. And then Mm -hmm. you left and I kept the party rocking uh, additionally. So since you left, I saw three other movies and then one of those was a best of show. Cool. And I'm Jared. (laughs) (laughs) Are we still introducing ourselves? Everyone knows who we are. I'm Jared. This is my right-hand man. I'm Ethan. It's episode 28, by the way, which we didn't mention. Yep, didn't mention anything. You're keeping that real raw, raw dog uh, looseness. We're keeping that Sammy blood raw on this shit. Keeping it free and easy, bitch. Hey. Just rolling down the old Wind River like the yellow birds. We'll try and keep this to a little hour. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's a good way to end it. I mean, the podcast. <laughs> See you next time, folks. Oh, I'm so, the water. Let's let's roll. Th- oh, uh, the other thing that happened was that the Oscars best of nominees were the best picture nominees were nominated. So from now until Oscar night, we're going to be cramming all of those movies except for Arrival because we already dedicated a whole podcast to that. Yeah. And today, uh, we're probably going to do Hell or High Water, unless the conversation leads us to the other one. No, let's leave the other one, because you said there was a good cast um, overlap with Hidden Figures, uh, Hidden Fingers, the uh, horror movie. <laughs> and, and or the porno. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could Fingers yeah, we is could a porno it. title? I don't know. Is that enticing? It doesn't have to be enticing. <laughs> Someone out there will find it enticing. Yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah. uh, of the movies I saw, uh, the first one was Marjorie Prime, which is a good title. I don't think anything's going to best That's a great title. Overkill, but Yeah, it's probably the best. Yeah, but, and, uh, little, but uh, Marjorie Prime's good, though. 
Cool. Yeah, these are the movies you saw without me now. Marjorie <clears throat> Prime was the first. It's about holograms, people, or something? Uh, I think that the setup for it was that an aging woman with Alzheimer's is uh, accompanied by her husband, who's represented by a computer. I don't know how they put it, but basically what the setup of the movie is, is it's almost like um, kind of a take on like her, except instead of um, the OSs being these kind of interactive friends, there are primes. And what primes are are... Um, basically blank computer AI that appears in your house as a hologram that looks like your, I guess anyone, but um, in this case, it looks like her spouse about 40 years ago. So it's uh, John Hamm and the late, the old lady is the lady from, uh, the I think it's the lady from Twister though. The mom or the aunt or Helen Hunt? who makes the big meal. Helen Hunt. No, not Helen Hunt. No, the old lady. Her aunt. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, like, I don't remember who that is. Yeah, I remember. Food! Vividly. Food! <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's one of the best, like, food scenes in a movie. I just remember, like, really enjoying <laughs> watching them eat those steak and eggs. Hook still holds the number one spot for the imaginary food. Yeah, that's true. Imaginary food is super good. But um, mm-hmm. that's, one, that's one of my things, kind of like the hair thing. Food in movies also gets to me. It really annoys me when people like order food and don't eat it, or you know, Ooh. I like I like seeing. Eat the yeah, food. to for, yeah, my uh, to go just completely off topic immediately. My my hair thing, which is you know, you you get obsessed with the hair in movies. I do get obsessed yeah. when it's obvious people are drinking out of empty cups. Ooh, that's really specific. Cause I, yeah, because I can I can spot it really easily. I mean, it's not that hard to spot. What's but... a good example of it? I don't think I've ever noticed that. It's all over the place, man. Really? <laughs> just literally every movie. Next time you see someone drink out of a cup, it's always styrofoam cup and it's always empty. Really? Why wouldn't they just put water in it for realism? That's my question. That's my big problem. Huh. Just put because, water in it. Because, like, I always think when they're drinking, like, a clear liquid that's meant to be, like, vodka or rum, like, you know, generally they're probably going to do water, but then they have to make the harsh face like i just drank pure alcohol but not overly harsh face like i'm a bitch and i've never had a shot <laughs> that's where the acting comes into play yeah exactly they gotta really thread that needle so anyway well this lady and then the worst example uh okay, i was <laughs> i was watching rush hour last night and great there's movie. a great yeah incredible movie um there's a scene where chris tucker's eating chinese food out of the takeout box and it's like so obviously empty Oh, he holds no. it like way he holds it like way too close to his face, so he's like covering it up. Oh, does he hate Chinese food maybe? Maybe, maybe he can't use chopsticks. So they don't want to <laughs> yeah, like, watch him like fuck up trying to get noodles with chopsticks. Yeah. You know it's really yeah. weird that chopsticks and Chinese food you know, there's so much rice in Chinese food, and rice is like the hardest thing to eat with chopsticks. Yeah, I always assumed that was like kind of a portion control. <laughs> like you're just going to give up at some point. Yeah, like that's what they say, you know, take smaller bites so you get full quicker. Mm-hmm. But then eat like rice American three utensils. Grains at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then American utensils are just literally shovels. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not American, but whatever. Yeah, Italians? The Italians, Italians invented the spoon, baby. right? Yeah, Actually, yeah they know. No, the up. Italians invented the fork. I don't know who invented the spoon. The spoon might have been mm. one of those that people happened upon pretty early. 
tiny food shovels. All right, yeah. back to what we're trying to talk about here because we got a lot to pack in. Oh, Jesus Christ. We're already behind schedule. So Marjorie <laughs> Prime is uh, its one of those movies that you immediately kind of recognize that it's based on a play because you've seen three scenes and they haven't changed like the setting. They're just in the same room. So you're like, all right, it's based on a play. And sure enough, credits roll, based on a play. Mm-hmm. Um, so the old lady basically has Alzheimer's and she's got this Prime that is ostensibly her husband, but it's not like they uploaded her husband's consciousness into it. He's just blank, and they have to kind of get to know each other all over again, and how they do that is he kind of asks, what am I like? And so it's kind of like a therapeutic thing where the old lady is telling him what their life was like together, their relationship, what he's like, and that kind of serves a dual purpose. One, it allows him to do a better job of approximating the husband and how he acts. Mm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and two, it, uh, you know, gives her a chance to kind of just reminisce and whatnot. Um, and then it's weird because she has Alzheimer's. They have a couple scenes where like, he'll tell her something that she must have previously told him or, you know, either her, her daughter who's played by Gina Davis or her son-in-law who's played by, uh, Tim Robbins. You know, some mm-hmm. of them might've told him stuff that then he relays to her. So in a weird way, he's telling her about her life. This is uh, kind of like that Black Mirror episode. Oh, why is it? Sounds like to me. Wait, which oh. one? Uh, there's an episode where a woman's husband dies, and uh, I guess there's a service where you can buy like a an Android. Backup it's husband? Like a flesh, yeah, it's like a flesh robot, and then he downloads like all of the husband's like tweets and texts and everything to like develop his personality. Oh, and I then, hope I wouldn't be recreated from my tweets. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You'd be a fucking monster. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it kind of sounds similar. But uh, interesting for similar. a whole movie. Well, it's I mean, it's not just that. It goes on, um, and then you see like different uh, uses of these primes. You can see how some people use them when a loved one died. I mean, obviously this woman's husband was dead, but it seemed like it was more like a caretaker for her almost. It like would remind her to eat peanut butter and take her pills and whatnot, but um, mm. some people just use it as like a grieving device to be able to say the things to their loved one that they couldn't, and kind of I don't know. It's interesting movie. Um, the one thing that's different from it than her is that the um, the primes never really shed their um, like uncanny valley. They're always like more robotic than like. Michael Fassbender in Prometheus. Okay. So, like, really noticeably robotic. So, I mean, it kind of works in a creepy way, um, but it's kind of, I don't know. It's an interesting movie. <laughs> and John Hamm's the robot? Yeah, John Hamm's the husband who, I guess, married the woman when... And it's, it's weird because it's in the future, so they, like, reminisce about when they first, like, got engaged... And the woman was like, you know, 20 something, but they were doing it after coming out of like my best friend's wedding. Wait, what? Well, see, because it's in the future. So she was 20 at like, you know, in the 90s. So that okay. movie, My Breast Friend's Wedding. Um, what about it? My Breast Friend's Wedding? <laughs> no, they were just reminiscing about that movie, but it was like an old. Oh, movie. oh they were reminiscing about <clears> that movie. Okay. I thought so, there was some weird crossover where those characters were also in my best friend's wedding. Uh, no. Um, cool. But one Let's thing that's that weird movie. is like, you know, they had a moment where they talked about they came out of that movie and 
he proposed to her after coming out of it. And then she decides, no, let's make the memory. We were watching Casablanca at some like retro thing. And then we went to the beach. And so they kind of like made up a new memory because, you know, the robot doesn't give a shit and she's got Alzheimer's. So she's going to remember it differently anyway. And then <laughs> they do a um, flashback and it turns out he proposed to her while like, you know, the morning after they'd had sex and my best friend's wedding was just like on the TV. So like they had already mm -hmm. apparently revised the memory. Yeah, I like that part of it. I I kind of could glean that they would do and stuff like that from the synopsis I wrote. Um, and I, I always like the ex explanation of memories and manipulation of them because, yeah. I don't know, that's really interesting to me. Yeah, it's uh, kind of the other so, way that you know it's a play because like, everyone's conversation revolves around the topic memories. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, solid movie. Um, okay. The, uh, the Little what Birds else? was also good it was a it was a movie the yellow birds you mean the yellow birds i wrote it down as the little birds i'm stupid three little birds yeah they uh that's a bob marley song yeah, they, they got up to some shit um mm. i guess they were like in the middle east these uh soldiers and then one of them goes missing it's a mystery it's kind of told in flashbacks because the other guy who's a very broody um leo dicaprio brooding type but he looks more like uh, Michael Shannon, I guess a young Michael Shannon. Um, hmm. anyway, uh, I didn't finish that one because my wife called me for an emergency, like before it ended. So it's a mystery, oh, and I don't geez. know how it ended. But it was <laughs> wow. fine. It's pretty good. It had uh Jennifer Aniston as one of the boys' moms, and the ugly mom from Little Miss Sunshine as the other boys' mom, and hmm. it was. Pretty good. I like uh, military movies that don't seem like they were made with the cooperation of the military. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I, I'll i never watch that fucking, like, Igby's, like, walk to halftime or whatever the fuck it's called. Because it looks like it's just a commercial oh, for the military. That's so weird. I'd never heard of that movie until, like, ten minutes ago when I was uh, reading Chris Tucker's Wikipedia because he's in that movie. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is this Ang Lee-directed movie with Chris Tucker in it and uh, Steve Martin? Like, what the fuck? I, I have no idea what it's about. Oh, I thought it was a Clint Eastwood-directed movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's about some military vet kid who, like, cries a lot in the trailer. He's, like, constantly <laughs> crying. Um, and I guess it's to make it, like, how beautiful uh, it was that he's in the middle. I don't know, but I'll never watch it. Yeah. Um, And then fucking Crown me. Heights... More like Ooh. crowning achievement. Um, hmm. That won the best. What was it? Best of fest. Yeah, it was the best, best of fest, but it was like the audience choice. So I don't know if there was like a oh, cabal okay. of judges that do like the uppity dickhead choice. And they chose like the other one was like, I don't belong. I need to go back to my home planet or whatever the fuck the title was. I don't want to live on this planet anymore, starring Professor Farnsworth. Something like that. I was like, I don't That's feel like anymore. Yeah, I get it. Mine was yeah. a Simpsons joke, so. Oh, man. I got gotcha. All the same joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Crown Heights was good? Yeah, Crown Heights was the shit. Um, it was really well made, and it was the story of. Um, what the fuck's that guy's name? Colin Warner. It's a true story. Some fella. Oh, I know all about him. Do you? No. He's one of the Warner Brothers that you might have heard of about. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this sounds like a good movie. Yeah, it was like 1987 or something, and he gets picked up 
for a murder that happens in Crown Heights, um, Brooklyn. And, and Oh, that's where my we, friends live. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, you can ask Shout them. Out to them. Hey, yeah. guys. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a uh, Shawshank Redemption situation. You know, he didn't do the murder, but he he caught the uh, caught the rap. And so then it's kind of that mixed with like a spotlight kind of thing where they're trying to, you know, like, you know, get him out and kind of like do the, you know, get the, the case and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I don't know if that was my favorite favorite of Sundance just because like what I want out of Sundance and and whatnot um but it was super good and in fact it I checked that it is a 2017 movie I would expect that it's going to be nominated for an Oscar next year um whoa I mean definitely if fucking garbage like Arrival <laughs> is nominated fuck man yeah and I mean like or next week figures. I guess we'll talk about it, but I thought it was better than like I'd just recently seen um Hidden Figures before watching it and I thought it was better than that in a, a lot of like really specific ways. Right. Um, I remember Well who's who's in it or directing it or any any names? <sighs> I could look it up while you talk and I make noise like so you can't hear that I'm typing. Alright, so you look it up, so I'll just say one thing. Did, have you seen oh, some, uh, Spotlight? No, I didn't see Spotlight. I was, I was gonna, I was honestly gonna watch it last night, but then I watched Rush Hour instead. <laughs> wow, <laughs> always. A good I don't decision. regret that decision. Damn it, I really do regret because I want to talk about Spotlight and how Spotlight has one element. Like I, when it. I think in terms of like you know the good movies to like the great movies, I think of like mm-hmm. you know not only is it well acted and it tells its story competently and it's you know kind of engaging, but it also has like a hidden like a little secret sauce, a little extra something. And Spotlight has that. Um, it's subtle, but it has it. And Crown mm-hmm. Heights, I would say that what one thing that got me is like later in the movie, um, one of the characters just kind of like walks into a room and kind of their eyes bug open about like, uh-oh, what's this? And I like I felt like a pit in my stomach. Like, no, don't let, you know... At any, you know, any of a number of things fly through your head and you're just like no don't let that happen and mm-hmm. i kind of had to remind myself it's just a movie dude <laughs> like it's fine that's but when then, you know it's good well yeah but i mean then i also had to be like well it's also based on a true story so i don't you know this might have happened but yeah exactly that's how you know it's good it's like i was fully invested in it um it's very timely because it's about you know uh they kind of put it in its time of how the drug war and the uh, increased um, uh, prosecution, you know, more cops on the streets. There's a, they play a clip of Bill Clinton saying something like, like crowing, you know, a speech about this new crime Billy passed and how he's made like 60 new capital offenses, which is so fucking insane. Yeah. Like, yeah, we just thought of 60 new things that we're going to kill people for doing because we're in fucking, like, Arabian Nights or something. <laughs> yeah, that's super fucked up. But that's the thing. And then, um, you know, it's it's timely because it's talking about how that's, you know, kept an entire populace of people down. You can tell how, you know, you remove uh, a man from society during his prime earning years that's going to drag down his entire family. You do that, you know, with a few people that drags down an entire community. Um, mm-hmm. 
and you kind of see how the people in his life who are trying to struggle to get this fucking thing overturned, um, how the tax it takes on them. So solid movie. Yeah, it's got the uh, two of the guys from that Atlanta show. Oh yeah, were you talking about Atlanta? Oh, you know what? I was looking through um, our our Google Drive, and you've got something written up about Atlanta, like really not a lot. But I was like, "What the fuck's Atlanta?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah I started to write something, but then I moved on to the next thing, like everyone what? else did. What's Atlanta? Is that TV show about Atlanta? Why didn't they call it Hot Atlanta? Why is it called Atlanta? That's a great question. It's that Donald Glover show. Come on. Everyone loves it. Oh, Everyone yeah. I read Golden that Glover. recently when I read your Google Doc that Donald Glover's in it. You said you hated him in it because he reminds you of him. He reminds you of yourself. Did I write that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what I was thinking at the time, but sure. I usually hate people that remind me of myself. So there you go. Okay. Uh, I don't want to get into a big Atlanta discussion here. I just want to point out that two of the guys are from that show. Okay. Who are Stanfield the guys? And Brian, the Keith Stanfield and Brian Tyree Henry. Okay. And who who, uh, who wrote and directed it? Uh, Matt Ruskin. I, I don't know anything else he's done. Okay. See, so I have a question for you. And this is overall um, Sundance. Is Sundance specifically a an award or a uh, film festival for movies that are written and directed by the same person, because I think <laughs> everything I looked at was written and directed by the same person. That's funny. I, I don't know. Cause I mean, some like the, the Austin film festival is like specifically about writers mm-hmm. and it's, it's like, it's, it pushes that as kind of the main driver of the festival is screenwriters. So I it would stand to believe that Sundance would have its own kind of, theme to it it's niche it's niche yeah um yeah so i wonder about that one of the other movies i'm looking at that's there was not written direct oh no no never mind sorry it was god damn it (laughs) mudbound oh no you definitely didn't want to see (laughs) yeah god damn it (laughs) yeah i wonder i mean maybe not the well documentaries seem like they are more often to be written and directed by the same person because you're kind of not writing it as much as just like gathering information and then putting it together. Yeah. Like writing it based on what you shot. Um, the other thing that Sundance could be is a film festival of people who smoke cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. A lot of cigarette smoking. I can't think of a movie we saw that didn't have cigarette smoking. Maybe wind river. Cause wind river was too fucking stuck up its own ass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was smoking of some kind in every movie that I remember. Maybe that Australian one? Did they smoke in the Australian one? Um, I think the 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 bad dudes did in the bar, maybe. Bad dudes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like sounds like on their way to save do. the president from ninjas. <laughs> do you still have that um that certificate I gave you? Yeah, of course I do. The certificate. I don't think it's, it's hanging up anywhere. Ah. It should be. Yeah. I can't. I got to get that one past the wife. Why? She wouldn't like that? I don't know. Why not? Um, that one really ticked me off because I got my stoner friend to, she was the only person I knew who could do calligraphy. And I know mm-hmm. she like fucked up the word ninja or something. Oh, she did? Yeah. It was like, like a... to, like wipe it off. It's it's like not huge. Oh. 
smear, but there's a yeah, there's a very small imperfection, but it's a certificate to me from you for my work uh, saving the president from ninjas. Yeah, well, it's not um, it's not from me. It's from President Ronnie, I think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's for, for saving him from ninjas. It's right behind me if I want to dig through my uh, bookcase here, which I don't. Well, that puts an end to that. So, speaking of Wind River sucking dick, uh, what was what movie do you hate from Sundance? Do you hate anything you saw? Uh, that Killing Ground movie I really hated. That's the Australian it? one. Uh, for all the reasons we we brought up on that pod, it just <laughs> felt like really pointless and like just like using murder and rape as just like uh, cheap thrills, <laughs> cheap thrill. Yeah, like I didn't really get the point of it. And I I think the problem too, problem with any movie is like I kind of had higher expectations going to that one. Yeah, it was the only it was the only like horror movie we were seeing that I thought was going to be horror. Um, yeah, and I I expected more like um, what's the word? Well, it's more of a thriller. Like, I expected it to be more of a horror movie. Yeah, and I expected it to be more like a like mystical elements to it or something. Oh, because <laughs> they even mentioned that in the in the movie too, like the same areas where like a bunch of uh, ancient people killed their enemies or something. So I was like hoping there'd be some tie into that, but. No, yeah, it's just I, a stupid like uh gore gore movie. Yeah, I thought it would be more like um maybe a you know, at night like uh maybe a, a bunch of I don't know, maybe like if Blair Witch was good. Like that's what I was thinking it might be. Like if Blair so Witch like Blair had Witch. like No, but like if Blair Witch had actual like action between the antagonist and the protagonist, you know, instead of just like loopy shit if it was actually more you Yeah. Know, cat and mouse also or just just more like mystery mm-hmm. there's not really any mystery like but they kind of set it up to be that way like oh there's this other there was this other family here then there's this baby that was caught to showing them and what exactly right. happened <laughs> yeah he's like what it, it's a very weird movie to have been in sun i mean i guess i don't really know sundance too well when we went to one yeah but uh an expert <laughs> not the movie i guess i would have expected to be in sundance i can say that with authority yeah, there were a couple that I didn't. Ex- they weren't what I expected. I would say most of them were fair. I didn't have any expectations of Wind River. Um, oh, were there any others you didn't like? No, I would say I would give them all approving okay. uh, approval. See, I didn't like that one. I didn't. I didn't like Axel All Overkill. I know you liked it. Um, I liked it. It. I mean, the ending kind of left some. Kind of felt like a cheap ending, but. I like uh, the I blonde it. in it, the the bipolar actress. Like, she was a cool character, so it was kind of like fun just following her around. But it it annoyed me that there was no, like, plot to the movie. It seemed very self indulgent. Yeah, I feel like that's a movie though I may enjoy more on a second viewing, not expecting a plot. Oh, uh, maybe because I was I was really into like the you know first seventy five percent, but then I was kind of waiting for like it to all tie together and it doesn't really. So that kind of left me with an empty feeling, but maybe now yeah. that I can expect that. I don't think I got know. that far. Um, but I did feel like <laughs> then we had the Q and a with the writer director afterwards. And I was like, Oh, what's your favorite part? And she was like, Oh, the dancing scenes. I'm like, well, okay. 
like also i love dancing so i just put dancing scenes in the movie I'm like all right so this was not a mistake this was just footage yeah that was the only q a that kind of detracted from the movie <laughs> yeah most of them kind of were like all right yeah i can see where you tried something cool yeah because you're like oh like i yeah i see what you were doing there but she was just like it looked cool and it's like that's kind of it makes it kind of frustrating because you always expect you know <laughs> writers or directors to have like grand schemes and plans yeah, like this everything was from a fever dream i had after i took mescaline in mexico it's like <laughs> oh really okay wow that's how about that um it is a book too i wonder if i wonder how the book is it's probably written in fucking german that was sure funny because my, my question i asked a question of that one and it was you know because i was curious about that and kind of in the same way i'm curious about um uh what's it called Inglorious Bastards, like one of the things I really love about the movie is how much it switches from French to English to German, and mm-hmm. I guess a little bit Italian. And I think that movie, it's a little clearer why they use one language or another, but Axolotl Overkill, it seemed like now and again, people just used an English phrase out of the blue, or they would kind of swap back and forth. Um, yeah. And I asked why, and she's like, oh, I just wrote it in German, and then like the actors just kind of like said it however they wanted i was like oh okay. <laughs> yeah she, she said like they just kind of they didn't practice or something yeah <laughs> like i don't they remember didn't it do much heavy rehearsals i think she said i can't remember but i mean it, yeah, it was a disaster like it was just choice. kind of a it was just kind of a plotless it was almost like the first like you know 20 minutes of a movie before the plot kicks in just to establish the character it was kind of just like all character establishment yeah um um which other, yeah i mean i was into it the other one um i didn't like which was my worst of show was wind river what oh, by your yeah. your your boy taylor sheridan it was weird oh well i guess this this uh maybe segues well into hell or high water but i do want to ask you about your best of show but um i would say when we talk about Hell or High Water, I'll come back to this, but it seems like this movie kind of showed that maybe Hell or High Water, um, the nuance in that came from the director. And maybe Taylor Sheridan thought he was yeah. making a really straightforward, just like, you know, righteous bank robber movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, I could see that easily just because Hell or High Water has a lot of like, yeah, it's kind of like not it's subtle but almost not subtle with a lot of the shots they do to like kind of uh fill yeah. out the you, the you wonder overall if the themes. script yeah you wonder if the script didn't have the the maybe the subtlety that the final product did because this one was very much like so uh, you know a, a basic mighty whitey uh <laughs> hero like red state hero you know like a guy who's gonna like you know slap the marijuana cigarette out of some hippie's mouth and show him that you know straight edge men who listen to country music are really what it's all about mm-hmm. um and i fucking hated him and it was jeremy renner so that didn't help <laughs> yeah do you think just a better like an actor you like could have carried it a little bit more um i mean the ending of it leaves very little room for that because you know i don't want to spoil it but it's just one of those things where you're like i'm just trying to think of an example I mean, you ever see a movie where, like, the hero goes way too far? You know how, like, uh, you know Dirty Harry? How he, um, yeah. you know, he blows away the guy because, like, the system isn't working. And it's a really gray movie, you know? Mm-hmm. 
it's kind of like that movie, but where kind of the audience is expected to like jump up and cheer when he goes, you know, overboard or whatever. And like completely mm-hmm. just becomes like, you know, a fascist executioner. <laughs> yeah. It's not Clint Eastwood. So you can't uh, think he's cool. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so that movie sucked. I guess we talk about more mm-hmm. in, in contact of hell or high water, but what was your best of show? Did you have, I had five. If, if I had five, what? No, I put like my top five just because I feel like probably Crown Heights is the best, but it's kind of hard to say because mm. I don't think it was the one I necessarily enjoyed the most. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like the one that I keep coming back to in my brain, and I feel like the one that I would, of the, all the movies I saw, I'd be like, you got to see this one. It's still raw. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Yeah, I just really love high concept movies that are like actually executed pretty well. Um, which this was so plus just the experience of seeing it in the theater with people like screaming and cringing and everything was it's hard for me to like forget that yeah it's kind of what i uh, hoped killing ground would be like a really cool midnight showing of a mm-hmm. movie that made everyone like freak out together yeah exactly but instead it was <laughs> instead killing ground was just like that wiener sitting next to me kept like complaining the whole time <laughs> Wait, who's complaining? Who- I was sitting next to you, you fuck. <laughs> Wait, who's who's complaining? What was he saying? Uh, I wish I, I meant that as a joke against you. I'm not that clever. <laughs> and he was just like, the whole time he was just like, oh my god. Like he was very expressive on how much like oh, he Jesus. wasn't. <laughs> like, you know, you, you look away from the screen and like yeah. kind of like do it internally he was like expressing that out loud like oh no don't no don't do that no it's like jesus man shut the fuck up dude that's miserable that would i see that's the thing is i wonder when after watching sundance movies how much the experience affects the movie it i don't think it affected me that much one way or the other like if the movie was good i would have been fine with it Mm -hmm. but um I, i did i was like in tune to it a little bit more maybe I um well because like I said I felt like Davion got kind of a short shrift from me because I literally had couldn't hear what almost anyone was saying and it, I think part of that is on that theater which if we were to rank the theaters that would get the worst rank because they <laughs> fucked that up and you know we, I think the best theater was just a very straightforward um, movie theater the 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 Broadway yeah yeah because Sammy Blood was like a play or not even a, it wasn't even a playhouse that it was, was like, like a lecture where you do in the library. yeah 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 that's weird yeah like a classroom almost and then killing ground would have been cool because it's like in the back of a, a video cassette rental that shop. was a pretty good but the noise was a problem the noise was a super problem and like people kept dropping bottles or something and it just like <laughs> reverberated in the room yeah, it's not like, like way people were too constantly loud. like like the stairs were like super loud if people went downstairs or upstairs. <laughs> yeah. So it was a little eh. Um yeah, raw I think is hard to beat. I think it it was just mm-hmm. the best experience in terms of being drastically different from anything else I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um I did think Sammy Blood was very good. Uh not like an exciting movie though. But No, but like probably the of the ones i enjoyed the most probably like the best made movie and probably like yeah. the tightest 
Yeah, that or uh, Free and Easy, I thought, had some of the best cinematography. I thought they got a lot out of those really well uh, shot close-ups on people talking to each other. Yeah, they did a lot of uh, like exposition through the cinematography. Yeah, and I I mean just the guy, the soap salesman, kind of he had the one wonky eye and it so it was <laughs> he he would be kind of humorous but at the same time kind of like unsettling cuz he was he played it so straight and uh, mm-hmm. he was actually all, also my pick my well my backup pick for uh the hardest man of Sundance. <laughs> it was, it's like a fake out cuz the very first thing is he he robs that guy very cleverly but he yeah. puts like a lit cigarette in the guy's hand and the guy's finger so that when it burns down, he wakes up. And then when the guy goes to confront him, he just lays down some kind of badass speech that just equates to like, you know, don't, it's just a little money. Like don't lose your life over it. But he kind yeah. of, I don't know. He kind of, it's just kind of a, a very broad speech about like, you know, I don't know. I, I can't remember what he said, but it's just kind of about like your he... generation. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of a, the speech that is like the whole theme of the whole movie, or like the underlying theme of the you know the effects of the what are you the former regime. We were just saying like look at look at how shitty the world is right now, and like you're young, like you can actually make a difference and make it better. So Bro, like don't throw that don't away for right <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't fuck it up right now. And no, the whole movie's a... kind of about the post uh, like a socialist China. And yeah, it was, they're, um, in, they're in like a rundown um, industrial city the whole time. Yeah, it was the the Detroit of the East. <laughs> um, but then, like, obviously, like you know, it turns out he's kind of a wiener himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you just you, you sh- <laughs> the lady, yeah. what was she trying to do? She was trying to sell him some gold bands, and he's mm-hmm. like inspecting them, and they just try. He just bolts, and then immediately gets punched out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that happens to really pretty good. much every I'd like to see that. That again, w- it was really good. Yeah, and in, in terms of like movies I would rewatch again, um Raw mostly just cuz I would rewatch it with someone who hasn't seen it just to watch their reactions. Oh yeah, that would be good. Uh Free and Easy's probably second, maybe tied with Davion I kind of want to see again just to um I can almost reevaluate it now that I know that the director is not black. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, Davion, uh, that was probably my most um, anticipated. Well, that's hard to say. I I was really looking forward to, like, the little hours, which I thought was fun. And that was probably the most, like, if it was on TV, I'd watch it again. But I don't expect it would be better than the first time I saw it. You you would watch very specific scenes in the little hours. (laughs) And repeat them. Yeah. yeah, Little Hours was kind of disappointing. Honestly, I had, I had higher hopes for that. Like I was I said, well, the, the thing pod. is, um, the I was looking up the the movie. What's it called? Like descriptions, and it talked about how like everything devolved into like a pansexual horniness. And I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit! And I, I mean, I would say it was like more more bisexual. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where was the pan? Yeah, pansexual is a pretty strong term, and I was, I was so I was I was expecting it to be a little more um, debauchery. It was it was mm-hmm. in an odd way a, a more tame, especially for a midnight movie. I thought it was going to be. Um, I'm surprised Raw was well. That was a spotlight, I guess, because it was already made in 2016. But 
that I would say was much more fitting of a midnight kind of movie than the little hours was. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we'd actually seen raw at midnight. That would have been, yeah, we could have been delirious year. like we were for... Well, actually, would have been exciting enough to keep us awake. I'm like... Uh, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Just kill him, stupid. Okay, so did you have a Hardest Man? <laughs> well, the the easy choice is Dave Franco in The Little Hours. Because <laughs> he, yeah, he gets his rocks off several times throughout the movie. Does he? he, he I think he's blue-balling it for a lot of that movie because they cut well, that, yeah, it a that's, lot. That's your investigation that you need to... Uh, Looking too more. You're yeah. really obsessed with whether or not he got his nut. <laughs> well, it was not just that, but it was also like I, I, there would be scenes that I was like, "Is is he inside her now?" <laughs> well, yeah, like because we discussed, like they'd be grinding, and then there'd mm-hmm. be no obvious. Have we talked about this last time? To go into <laughs> yeah, you, you really, really focus on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's he the easy get choice. his nut almost any of those times, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure yeah well because they kept being interrupted so he definitely didn't get his nut that's all I'm saying but after every day he was really he was really happy I guess that's just you the think Franco he... shining through he was just happy to be on a movie set just like making a film <laughs> they can't yeah. help it as the younger Franco it's like I can't believe they keep giving me work they got to uh, they got to just put both of them in a movie. I mean, I I love the Francos. I mean, they're so charming. It's just it's fun. Yeah, what what movie could they could they put them both in? Like literally anything James Franco does, he can just pop his brother in. Just right. I guess I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, of like apes. his brother's there too. His brother's the ape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who's your hardest man? Um, well, mine would be, uh, mine was Colin Warner just cause I mean, he, he takes a very Joe Hill stance in that, um, he, they basically, he realizes they're not going to let him out of prison unless he admits that he killed the guy. And he's like, I'm not mm-hmm. willing to admit that. So I'd rather die in here. And so I'm like, well, there you go. Top of the list. Hardest man. <laughs> and I think we had, um, honorable mention to, uh, the main character of Sammy Blood, she was pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, especially as an old bird. Mm-hmm. She was downright didn't racist. Even... <laughs> downright racist and not, like didn't give a fuck about her dead family members. Yeah. You know, like climbed a damn mountain after she had second thoughts instead of taking a nice easy fucking helicopter ride. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, she climbed a mountain. Spoilers. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So yeah, Sundance. That Check was it out. all they wrote for Sundance. Uh, next year, maybe get a pass. I don't know. They're expensive, folks. But God, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to get first seating. So here's the yeah. question. Would you do Sundance again, knowing what you know now? Mm, uh, yeah, I would. De- it definitely made me want to do another movie festival. Because I'd never Multi-day really done one movie festival. Yeah, I, I'd never done one to that level. Um, like I went to a couple movies at the Austin Film Festival, and um, I remember we did like one a one night movie festival. I guess it was just all shorts, so it was just like yeah, we did that one night, yeah. Or something. But I do like just the 
I mean, I like festivals in like a city I haven't been to because it's like you get to go visit the city, but it's also like kind of buzzing for the reason why yeah. you're there. Um, yeah, that's true. And then movies, it's just kind of easy to binge movies because you're just sitting down and watching them instead of yeah. like, I'm comparing it to like a music festival that's like pretty taxing after like two days. Yeah, or like a a, a beer festival where you have to drink all the beer. <laughs> yeah. It's well, hard to binge for multiple yeah. days. Might be awesome though. Yeah. If you do it right. So yeah, I would do another one, another film festival, maybe trying to do another one this year here in town. Um, and yeah, sometimes I would do again as long as you're living there, I guess. Oh, I'll be there, baby. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, we'd have to really figure out the ticket situation again because we really, we didn't do it very well. No, but I feel like we saw most of, like, we didn't get to see the big sick and we didn't get to see. I didn't get oh. to see Wind River. Wind River. Yep. Whoops. Oops. Uh,. That was good though, because that movie sucked. Yeah, but um, speaking of Taylor Sheridan and movies that suck, let's talk about Hello High <laughs> Water, a movie that fucking didn't suck at all and was great. Okay, good. Damn, I thought you were gonna say it sucked. Oh, wouldn't that be terrible? Punch you through this microphone. <laughs> um. So just yeah, first what a of good all, movie. So, uh, Oscar noms uh, were put on the internet, or I don't know what, how the fuck they do that. I think they actually did someone gets do, it. Yeah, I think they just did it Trump style. They just like put it online and didn't have like an announcement or anything. So the best pictures are for some reason Arrival, <laughs> Fences, mm-hmm. Hacksaw mm-hmm. Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester Boo. by the Sea, and Moonlight. Um mm-hmm. And one thing that's notable about this, I haven't seen Silence yet, and you haven't either, right? No. And this is nine films that are allowed to do ten. So that means fuck you to every other movie that came out this year. None of you are even good enough to be nominated. Mm-hmm. So that's rough. Yeah. It's a real punch in the dick. Especially given that Arrival is one of them. So, Jesus. Yeah, and... Did well, you see a movie we'll better than Arrival that wasn't nominated this year? Is it Lobster, Ooh, right? That's, Did you like Lobster? That's a great question. Uh, the Lobster, uh, I thought it was pretty good. The last, like, 25 minutes, I think, were erroneous. <laughs> you could have mm-hmm. cut that oh, all yes. out. And it kind of uh, kind of well, put a sour taste in the movie. And I totally forgot that movie even came out this year, so I guess that <laughs> says a lot about it. How well, a couple was. other movies that, like, didn't get the best uh picture nom but were represented other like no you know high uh profile categories were um what? Captain Fantastic Viggo Mortensen had a best actor nom for that um yeah. never heard L. of it. L had a best oh, yeah. actress they say best mm-hmm. actress I thought they said best female actor they keep going back and forth what best actress okay uh loving which i'm kind of surprised didn't get a best actor no- or mm-hmm. a best picture now just because of um how much acclaim it was getting uh that's got a best actress jackie had a best actress uh meryl streep was in florence foster jenkins but it's hard to say because it's meryl streep so maybe you know she's mm-hmm. gonna get one anyway um and then lobster had a, a best uh original screenplay mm-hmm 
So other, I mean, that's those are and, really the only ones that kind of you know were high profile films that didn't get into the best picture. Yeah, Twentieth Century Woman got best original screenplay. I've heard some some buzz about that. Oh, I, um, I just scanned that and didn't even read it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am surprised. I mean, I didn't see Loving, but it seems like kind of the perfect Oscar movie or a movie that you would imagine at least gets nominated. Yeah, well, that, the uh, weird saw... thing is, I mean, because it's only nine, that's really weird that they're like, nope. Yeah, it is very strange. Because, so they're just allowed to do up to ten now, but they don't have to do ten. They have to do no fewer than five and no more than ten. And I don't... Oh, okay. I assume that that's kind of like getting into the, uh, like, debates or something in, like, a presidential primary. It's like you have to meet a certain, like, percentage. Yeah, I... <laughs> I feel like I heard this on another podcast where they said you have to have like five percent of the uh, the academy pick you as the best movie or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But man, yeah, that's crazy. That I mean, like... why not just have? I guess why not just have everyone vote their best movie and just like the top ten out of that group? Like it's a yeah, it's well, it's a, kind a of purely what they do, a right? promotional award system. So I mean, why wouldn't you want to get? 10 movies every time to be promoted as oh yeah you know. yeah i see what you're saying yeah yeah you think they would just do 10 every time yeah exactly like I what's, mean, they do what's, five what's being lost there time, don't they? yeah i mean i imagine it's easier to find five actors but still yeah. if you're gonna expand the field just fill the field you dorks so speaking of hell or high water um, that received a nomination yep yeah, and you, I remember you were, um, I just listened to our podcast we did on it. That was one of our first podcasts. I think it was number seven. Mm-hmm. And you had called out that you had read a lot of reviews for it and it was not well-liked at the time. So that's what the hell happened. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it had like a pretty low Rotten Tomatoes score at the time, I thought. And I was like, what the fudge? Yes, people said it had been done before, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now that I've seen it, I mean, I guess I haven't seen a shitload of, like, bank-robbing movies, but I, I, I liked it a lot. Now, you liked it a lot because you thought it, it was very, uh, amongst other things, it was very, um, its atmosphere was very uh, true to Texas, where you live. Yeah, I thought it did a really good job of owning the the environment of Texas, and I just really liked the idea of it, you know, being a bank robber movie, but trying to tell a deeper story about kind of like the a moment in Texas history that's that's changing from you know the old guard to the new guard and kind yeah. of how that's already happened previously when the first settlers arrived and it's kind of like the second settlement is happening well that's they didn't, what, they didn't, um, you didn't go too spoilerific in fact you just kind of set the stage but for the sake of the oscars talks we can go into full spoilers to get you know deep into these let's do real, it yeah real deep <laughs> yeah, i mean now it has really good scores on rotten tomatoes so i guess maybe people just finally start watching it but at the time i swear to god it was like in the 70s or something maybe i'm wrong no i i thought i don't know i think i, I thought i heard that too but I, I might be confusing what i heard from you um but it, it i mean it does set a moment in time it also sets like it's a very um and like i said i wonder how much the director has to do with it 
you know, there's a lot of the sweeping shots of Texas that like really focus in on like debt consolidation signs and whatnot. They kind of yeah. That's what I meant. Like I reread my my review that actually I think is pretty terrible on the website. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mentioned there's a lot of subliminal and superliminal uh shots throughout the movie oh, about yeah. you know Texas is where it stands now, and yeah, they do like at least two or three sweeping shots over billboards that talk about debt consolidation yeah because the very first one i was like oh that's subtle and like quick and then the second one i was like i i get it like don't yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't keep so doing you really, yeah maybe i didn't need that second one um i did like in terms of texanness almost to the point of parody um but like everyone's carrying so mm-hmm. there's like the early bank job that there's an old man and chris pine's a fucking moron and he like disarms the guy, but he just puts the gun like within arm's distance from him. So as soon as they yeah. leave, the guy with fucking balls of steel, who's like seventy, just picks up his you know revolver and starts shooting at them. Mm-hmm. And then you know they do the later. It's, I mean that's the thing is the pace of a bank robber movie is very specific. I think, and I think that's one thing Hell or High Water kind of has going for it is that you know the structure of a bank robbing movie and it's they're going to get some success they're going to have one last job and Mm -hmm. that one's going to be the one that i'm so glad that didn't turn out to be that uh stupid uh sheriff or the texas rangers idea of just sitting and watching a specific bank the whole time (laughs) i'm really glad that didn't turn out to be right um but it was a bank that I forgot what it was, but it was like their plan was a little bit off, but they decided to go for it. And it was like at like much later in the day, they always did it first thing in the morning. So no one's in the bank. And instead, you know, some guy's carrying, he opens fire, they open fire back. Then everyone outside hears, So they come outside and it's just like fucking Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of comical in a way. Cause there's just like eight people who are all just, you know, Sovereign citizens coming out of the woodwork with their uh, rifles and shotguns and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it's just, I think it, their downfall is, I think they just try, they hit a bank in that branch that's just a larger one than they were targeting before. Yeah. I think that's it. They go to like a more of a main one. Yeah, it's full of Yeah, dudes a slightly carrying. bigger city. And they were like, ooh, yeah. uh-oh. Um, that was really weird that it took them that long to figure out their pattern when they're striking only one specific bank right right and it was it was not like you know wells fargo it was like you know bank of east texas we've got eight branches total mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and here's a line between all of them <laughs> yeah it's all going up well, to this it, casino in oklahoma yeah that's what jeff bridges was trying to do he he was waiting on the line but then they skipped that one yeah which is weird because that was a really small town mm-hmm with like a steak shop where you couldn't order anything except for steak. <laughs> That's kind of a cute Cohen's yeah. move, uh, moment where the waitress asks, what don't you want? And kind of explain to them <laughs> that every, you know, you can only order steak. So you either don't want green beans or you don't want like corn or something. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, it kind of like uh, reminds you of um, no country for old men a little bit. Oh yeah, and just the fact that it's like a thriller, but it's also got like a lot of quiet scenes that, that kind of it, pr- propel the story along. 
Yeah. Um, I will say we talked about the actors. Um, and that was one thing I was looking into is we've got the power trio of Ben Foster. Well, starting at the low end, Chris Pine, Ben Foster <laughs> and Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Actually the fellow who plays the backup, who's the, who's the guy who plays his backup, the half Mexican, half native American guy. Gail Birmingham. Gail Birmingham? Dale? Gil. Gil Birmingham. He plays um, a Native American in Wind River, actually. So oh. watching this, I was like, oh, hey, it's him. Once you know, he takes his, you know, his hat and sunglasses off and you see him, you're like, oh, hey, it's the same guy. <laughs> um, I liked him. I actually didn't think Jeff Bridges was that good in this movie. Is that okay to say? Really? That's not okay to say. No? Uh, what, what was the problem with him? I just feel like... It's too it believable? It was just that it looked like Jeff Bridges doing a stupid mouth. Like he was making a really dumb mouth face, like with his, his like lips out or something the whole time. Um, and yeah, it was, me... his mouth was... It's funny because I even wrote like that same thing in that review that I liked his mouth work kind of. <laughs> he was always kind of looks like he was you know chewing on dip or something. And I thought it really worked well in the character. I, I mean, I think it's just Jeff Bridges is the kind of guy that you, you feel like you have to forget it's him and you're gonna hate me for saying this but you know what they needed don't say it hair change (laughs) they needed to cut his hair they needed to give him a high and tight johnny unitas type haircut that i feel a texas ranger of those racist sensibilities would have not a long hair that reminds me that is jeff bridges but also he was an old like about to be retired texas ranger I feel like that guy would have give a, a fudge. No, he'd have a high and tight until the day. He'd have a Hank Hill haircut until the day he died. Yeah, what do you know? That, well, that's that's just my <laughs> my take on the character and the fact that it's just like you know that I don't like when the actor looks like just he's got his own hair in the movie. I want him to look like he's got the character's hair, and I felt like that was Jeff Bridges' hair. Yeah, I could see the hair, but I mean nothing else from. The by character? the end of the movie, he definitely became the character. Especially, I think by the time, like, obviously his partner gets killed, I feel like that moment where he's climbing the hill and he gets the shot on Ben Foster, mm-hmm. I felt like he kind of then became that character and then there's not much left movie. But after that, I kind of, I mean, maybe it was just a time thing. It was, you know, long enough that I'd kind of gotten into him. But for the first while, I'm like, man, Jeffrey is doing a really weird thing fucking face <laughs> yeah well the whole time he's got you know the 10 gallon hat and the glasses on and he's gonna he's doing like well, i don't know if he's doing it but like his neck has the full like turkey gobble kind of developing yeah <laughs> so I, he, he kind of didn't look he looked different enough from what i i was used to jeff bridges as that i i just got lost in the character i mean he's kind of doing a a rooster cogburn a little bit yeah a little bit a little bit um the the what the secret sauce of this movie that made me really like it i because again you know there, there's a template right the last mm-hmm. bank heist has to go badly in this case it does um chris pine gets shot on the way out uh-oh our main character is gonna die for nothing and look at you know the evils of bank robbing banks the brother's going to go too far and let alone, you know, he does ends up killing a yeah. lot of people. Um, which is kind of, you know, pushes him again, you know, the morality is walking a tightrope. 
they're robbing mm-hmm. banks, but they're doing it without hurting people. But, you know, sometimes the brother does hurt people. He pistol whips an old man, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you're walking. And they're doing road. it for a, they're doing it for like a somewhat, well, I guess not really too noble of a reason. It's still pretty selfish, but. Well, like their the mom bank died had... and they're saving the farm for their kids. So there's, I mean, yeah, there, I think there's enough of a reason. And, you know, it's funny because that same yeah. episode we talked about Don't Breathe, which takes a while to kind of get going because they don't have a good reason to be robbing like an old veteran of his bereavement money. Right. Um, but so this one, you know, it, it was good and it had me for a while, but what I liked is that, you know, instead of following the kind of moralistic Chris Pine, you know, either gets caught or he dies. Um, actually what I thought the movie was going to end is he, he gets past the police blockade or whatever, and he gets, he's home free and he goes back to the casino where they're laundering their money. So he gets the chips and he's just sitting on the bar and he's watching the news that his brother's dead. And I expected he would just kind of get up and walk out and be like, you know, leave the chips there because the money wasn't worth it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that would be a pretty, you know, standard, satisfying, but standard movie. But what I liked is he gets away with it. He gets home. He gets, mm-hmm. you know, the the lean against the houses, you know, lifted. Um, it turns out the house had like oil reserves on it, and that's may you know part of the reason why it seemed like the bank was maybe playing hardball with them. And it looked like the guy was not going to, you know, take his money, and he was gonna oops forget to do it. Um. And that's why Chris Pine's like, you know, it's the end of the week now. Do it now. I'm going to watch you. Um, and so it kind of has a, like, you remember Inside Man, how the kind of overarching, like, plot is Denzel Washington uses the crisis to get himself a promotion. Yeah. That's kind of what I liked about it is that he 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 gets away with it. He gets, you know, like they, they mentioned, he they stole about $40,000. And using that, they got writes the property and they're getting 50 grand per month on the oil reserve from it. And for me, not bad. Was that? I said not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all, but it also kind of goes to show, I mean, to me that the whole movie then takes on kind of a, um, kind of a communist, uh, kind of a thesis because it's basically just saying, you know, I mean, it comes back to what the Gil, was it Gil Henderson? What was his name? Gil Birmingham? Gil Birmingham mentions when they're waiting in front of the bank, he's like, you know, my people used to own all this land. We had it. Yeah. And it was stolen us from you. And now it's being stolen from you from those bastards. They never fail to call the banks bastards, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that that was one of the things I, I thought they kind of laid on a little thick. With like the, it's like, okay, we get it. The banks are the bad guys, but... <laughs> Yeah, but I think it made sense in the context of, I mean, it's basically just what you're seeing is, uh, I mean, again, the thesis of the movie is that property and wealth come to those who are uh, selfish enough to steal and kill for it and lucky enough to get away with it. And Mm -hmm. that's just as true now if someone robbed a bank to steal the money to, you know, buy his loan as it is from back in the day when people stole the land from the Native Americans. And so you create this, you're, you're now watching the beginning of an empire where this guy's family is going to be making 50 grand a month. They're going to become wealthy 
and they're going to become influential, and it's all because he robbed and killed a bunch of people. Hmm. So I think that, to me, is like, that's a lot of gray area, and that's a real indictment of, um, you know, our society. And that puts it in a perspective that I think people can see. It really frustrates me when I talk to people about um, about wealth and how essentially any wealth that you have in the United States is you know, sullied by the fact that the land was all stolen, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, whatever you have that they came from that. And I mean, it's been a long time, but you know, you put it in the context of a movie like this and you see that up close and be like, Oh, well, why would a hundred years from now this be okay? Like this still would be exactly what it is. Right. And yeah, like we were, we were mentioning the the movies kind of got the underlying theme of like Texas history, but I guess obviously you could extrapolate that out to American history completely. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, that's what I was wondering is I, I wonder if it just had kind of a bit of a populist bent in the screenplay of just like, Oh yeah, the banks are bastards and that, you know, mm-hmm. maybe the direction put it over the top. Yeah. Cause that, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Cause I think, some of the only few problems I had with the movie came out of the writing. <laughs> like what? Well, just like that. Just the, they, they do a lot of like on the nose uh, dialogue about the banks and. Um, yeah. The I mean, whole, if you like, love on the, on the nose dialogue, you will love wind river. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And even, yeah, that Gil Birmingham, like monologue he has when they're waiting at the, uh, at the one stakeout, it's like he's just laying it all out on the table. Yeah, it's like, okay, true. we kind of deduced this Aunt at this May point moment. already. It's his what? His Aunt May moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's a scene where I explain the movie. Yeah, it's like, okay, if you haven't figured out this uh, up to this point, here it all is for you. Um, but yeah, I think the direction, just the, the setting, really, really takes it over the edge. Yeah, so I hope so. Um, so in terms of my, I'm trying to, I'm looking at this. So literally that and Arrival and Hidden Figures are the only movies I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. I would say at this point, I would put that at the top of my, you know, if you folks are going to listen to this <laughs> week after week, that's the top of my Oscar uh, watch list. <laughs> I like this. So yeah, we're going to slowly give out your like top top nine here, so. Hell or High Water is yeah. number one. Yeah. Well, I guess we should only do it in order because you've seen some of these um, already. So we should just do it in order of what we talked about. We've talked about so far Arrival or he- and Hell or High Water. So far, Hell or High Water is my number one. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. So it's like a horse race. Hell or High Water is in the front. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, what are we going to do next week? We're going to do the Black People movies. We agreed not to say that. Oh, fuck. We were going to do Fences, Hidden Figures, and Moonlight by coincidence. Hidden Fences. (laughs) Totally random. Uh, Hidden Figures and Moonlight have some uh, cast crossover. So there you go. There you go. Is that an indictment on, like, like, there aren't enough, like, black actors to go around or not enough that are, like, given a chance? Uh, probably definitely the first <laughs> and the second statement you made, <laughs> but yeah, I guess uh, we'll get into it then, but uh, we're yeah. going to try and hit all three of those movies next week. 
Well, I think so. I mean, we did like Sundance, three movies, and a review of Sundance, and one Oscar movie. I think we could do three. Um, Hell Oscar yeah! Next week, we did that during Sundance. We did three movies at a time. Hell yeah! I think we could do it. And I don't and, have much to say about Hidden Figures, so there you go. Right on. Um, and so when it's all said and done, the movie that we'll spend the most time on will have been Arrival, which neither of us like. Oh, actually, you liked Arrival, didn't you? I did, but it has no uh, place in the Best Picture nomination. No, I would not say so. Um, mm-hmm. Did we have any... I mean, I haven't listened to the last few podcasts. Have we done any corrections? No, we were so clean. Oh, perfect. Uh, well, Focarinos. Oh, we, you know, we didn't do... We just, like, ended the last few podcasts. We didn't mention anything about... If you have questions or hate mail, send it to hardmentaplease yeah. at gmail.com. Follow on Twitter at hardmentaplease and subscribe and rate on iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah, and all the same for... Well, never mind. Yeah, do that. For Asterix, our podcast, you could do that. That's our side podcast. Yeah, I was well, gonna... it's not our side podcast. It's this jackass. <laughs> Talking about children's uh, films. <laughs> yeah, you gotta crank out another one of those. All right, so it's Oscar season, folks. Fucking, god damn it, tune in already. <laughs> catch the fever. Yeah, catch the wild fever. We're Oscar.com. <laughs> Alright, till next time, we love you, listener. Love you. You're stupid.